Welcome to the Midlife Thesis Podcast. In this episode, I'm proud to host Bridget Riedel from North Dakota. She's a North Dakota farm kid, grad from NDSU, has her MBA, married with two grown kids. She's passionate about agriculture. She loves her role as an educator. She's a stepmom. She loves farming. She's the oldest of six. She's going to talk to us about her stint at Hallmark, loves audiobooks, and she's an avid gardener. Welcome, Bridget. I am great. Um, so welcome. Uh, welcome to this medium. Welcome to the podcast. So great to have you. I've been uh, following you along on uh, on social media quite uh, quite a bit here in the last little while and find you wildly entertaining. Um, and uh, uh to, that caused me to reach out and say, hey, there's somebody I got to have on my podcast. I will tell you right now, <clears throat> I'm a little bit of the class clown of ag Twitter, and I'm okay with that. So hopefully, there's some good entertaining things that come out of all of our discussion today that other people find uh, gives them a little bit of joy in their life. Nothing wrong with that. Great. Well, and that's uh, that's exactly the gist of this podcast is that I start off by, you know, introducing people by, by what they do and how people might know them. And the whole idea of this is to delve a little deeper and uh, find out uh, kind of who you are behind um, what you are. So, yeah, I hope we, uh, we find out the, uh, you know, we get to know the person behind the clown. So is this the point in time where you're going to have a bell and every time I try to dive into just talking about my job you ring the bell on me so I can't do it no I think I'll probably just mute you um <laughs> there is no there is no bell there's no uh no we don't uh although actually in this very room that I'm sitting uh that game is within reach so you you want to be careful what you wish for <laughs> okay so I could be getting a bell I could get muted I could get bleeped there's a lot of opportunity here for me <laughs> Absolutely. There, uh, there's. Uh, I always like to give lots of opportunity for the uh, for the clowns that come on this show to uh, to entertain and to amaze uh, both the host and the audience. Well, let the amazement begin. <laughs> so, one of the things I just saw um, recently, Bridget, is is you're reading children's books and stories online. Uh, t- tell me more about that. How did th- where did that begin there? How how did that uh, come about? So we all have been struggling in our through the pandemic. And uh, about a year ago, in a conversation with my sister-in-laws, um, and so by the way, I am the oldest of six. And I have many nieces and nephews that are very young. And my sister-in-laws all said, you know, there's a point in the day where every kid wants a story read, and I just can't sit down and read that many stories. Well, if I, hmm. if I just recorded a video and sent it just to them, they were kind of long and that didn't really work through text messaging and so forth and would clog up their phones. But we're all on social media in one shape or another. So I would just start posting them to Instagram and Facebook. And then I had other friends and their siblings who have small kids who said, you know, it's just like five minutes. And my son or daughter will sit there and they will watch you read a story and I can load the dishwasher or I can do something that I can just have a moment to myself. And I like reading. I like making it entertaining for the kids. I try to use not maybe a mainstream book, but I'm pulling out books from the ancient days when I was a kid and reading those and (laughs) trying to make them a little bit more fun. And it's been it's been a good response. It's been entertaining for everyone involved, myself, my family members, and so I uh, I appreciate the fact that people watch, and even if not a lot do, I still know that there's a certain group of small kids that still watch every Saturday, and that's what it matters for me. So yes, it's every Saturday morning. There's a story for kids. I think that's pretty awesome. I uh, I literally just stumbled upon it and. Uh... You know, there was yet another side of you that that I did not know about. So um, I I was quite amazed, and, and the story behind that is 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 great. I, I never thought about uh, you know just carving out a few minutes to load the dishwasher. That's uh, yeah, that's perfect. And yeah. 
whatever gets us through the uh, the pandemic, I guess uh, that's that's a great uh, initiative. Well, one of the things that um, we one of the things that we did a long time ago in our family. Um, first of all, when I was in college, I worked in a Hallmark store. And so I am all about all things Hallmark. If, if you're in my family tree, you're getting a, a nice <laughs> card for your birthday or your wedding anniversary. And I don't buy crappy gift paper. I buy the nice paper at Hallmark. And Hallmark has recordable books. So here's my plug for the corporation, right? Um, the- <laughs> this is where I would ding you normally. <laughs> That's all right. right. Mute me now. Mute me now. Insert sound effect here. So- <laughs> So I would record books and send them at Christmas time to my nieces and nephews as they grew up because my sister-in-laws have said, and my sister for that matter, those were books that the kids, it meant a lot to them. They, they might be 11, 12 years old and still take them off the shelf and listen to me read to them. Um, the, the best example I can give of the impact it makes on the kids that I think all of us as adults should remember, kids take this to heart. And my youngest nephew was three and my sister-in-law walked past his room and she heard my voice reading this story and he was talking back to me like we were having this conversation while I was reading him a story so that keeps you in their lives when you have some distance between you and I think it's a memento that they'll remember well now it's just morphed to it will be forever documented online that I read them stories (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, that's that's great. Well, the, the I guess the the adult storybook that uh, spoke to me just just very recently, um, as uh, I, I literally drove past a Steiger tractor the other day, and I I thought of you. <laughs> um, was uh, I believe you call them Farm Pack Fridays? Is that uh, is it that right? Did. And I was original in deciding to do Farm Pack Fridays, so. Get your bell ready. Okay. Get your bell. Here's another shout out. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> On Instagram, there's a couple of folks. Uh, one of them is Volk Farms and the other was um, Beaver Farms. And they were both farms in California. And they started the hashtag Farm Fact Friday. I thought it was awesome. And I started doing it just simply with small facts about North Dakota, such as we're number one in honey production in the United States. May sound weird. But we have so many pollinating crops, like you, flax, canola, sunflowers. So we have a huge honey production up here. And it Hmm. morphed into, I wanted to talk about things very specific to the state of North Dakota. A little bit of the surrounding area, you know, I touch into South Dakota and Minnesota occasionally. And so I, I have kind of a schedule. Every Friday is Farm Fact Friday. Every Saturday is Saturday story time. But what Farm Fact Friday has become are short tidbits of information about agricultural products that come out of North Dakota. And it might be the fact that we have our own state-owned flour mill that uh, our wheat goes to. And we create flour that we sell in, you know, the 48 continuous states. It might be the fact that, just as you mentioned, Steiger tractors originated in Red Lake Falls, Minnesota, but were produced after they were purchased by a North Dakota company. They were produced in Fargo. And... I get a lot of comments Mm. from folks in our neighborhood, like you in Manitoba, because there's so much interrelation in the products that we transfer between the two, whether it's equipment or grain crops. So it has been just a lot of fun. The useless bits of knowledge I've learned (laughs) or getting the stories from guys who farm or use that equipment and just have something they want to share about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's, yeah, there's a lot of history and a lot of, uh, in the agriculture museums, uh, here, uh, in, in Manitoba, there's a lot of, um, you know, versatile history, of course, as well. So, yep. No, it, uh, you know, and we, uh, we have the honeybee tractors from Saskatchewan as well on the prairies and lots of interesting innovation, I guess I would say. And, and, uh, do you, do you think that comes from, Lots of uh, lots of cold winter nights uh, in the farm shop. <laughs> where, where does that originate from? There's something to it because farmers are the best innovators mm. that I know. They will stand there and, and really a shout out to my brother right after me. Again, both my brothers farm together, but the one right after me, he will stand there and look at a piece of equipment. And then he will literally call an engineer at the, <laughs> and say, okay, here's how this would work better. And farmers, it's true. <laughs> he just has that sort of a mechanical mind. 
And farmers do that all the time. How can I make this better? That's why like the Farm Show magazine has all these great innovations from the prairies in Canada and then here in the upper Dakotas you know, down to Nebraska. They think of these things, they try them, they build them themselves. And it's just fabulous to see how that innovation has progressed into, again, companies like Versatile, Steiger, Concord, Amity. Those are big names in this region because somebody here thought of it and the rest of the country sort of caught on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly Concord uh, here in the Red River Valley. Anyway, that's, that is the air drill of choice. Mm -hmm. It still is. Um, you know, you, you mentioned you mentioned engineers. Um, I spent uh, many years in the potato industry, and uh, it never ceased to amaze me. And 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 this still happens that uh, people would buy a brand new piece of equipment, and rather than taking it out to the field first, it would actually end up in the farm mm -hmm. shop first and get modified to the farm specifications <laughs> because they felt that there was no piece of equipment available that met their requirements. So. Um, you know, they have their own modifications and I, and I still see it going on. Uh, uh, there's some, uh, there's actually some great, uh, Instagram, uh, potato farmers, uh, that, uh, that share some of those videos and they're, they're quite it's interesting. Fantastic to watch. And it's, ins we can think about, you know, what's the next great wave in modern technology is you and I have watched in our growing years, you know, personal computers to the fact that our our phone that we carry with us every day is way more powerful than anything we would have used in the past. But these guys do it on a grand scale. They do it with horsepower and giant tires and many axles. And it's fascinating to watch and they really enjoy it. It, uh, I, I do have to say, I, I've, ever since I was small, I've always been fascinated with, you know, diesel power and tractors and the bigger, the better. And yet today, I found myself extremely fascinated by watching a drone spray a field. Um, you know, basically one of those uh, six-blade copters that, uh, uh, you know, quite small. Um, and yet, uh, you know, 30 of them could to do the work that a spray plane could. So um, I, I, I do wonder where it's going, whether we're going, you know, away from, from big horsepower to lots of little machines, which... I guess the, the nostalgic person in me kind of weeps a bit on the inside, but the tech geek, uh, you know, is kind of looking forward to it a little bit. So it, it's going to be interesting. There's got to be some sort of a happy medium in what we do in farming. The European model is certainly a smaller scale, very specific to what they're doing versus how we are here in North America. There'll be something in between. I don't think there'll be a, a perfected machine on either side of that being the you know small drone size type item or a great big, giant autonomous tractor there'll be something in between that works for many farms not all but many mm -hmm. so one of the other things that um, you know you've just touched on is your your connection to mm -hmm. to farming and you know i uh you know we've talked about how you reach out to people about the many different aspects of of farming and and your life and you know, as I said, I've, I've seen you on, on many different um, social media platforms. Um, I, I did encourage you to try TikTok, but I'm, I'm not sure if, if you are no, even ready sure. for that. I just, I don't, <laughs> I'm going to need more rules, more time. Perhaps I should have, I should probably have some sort of a mentor on TikTok. So if you're it, you let me know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I got to get my dance perfected <laughs> first. Um but uh, where I guess where that question was going is, you know, I'm, I'm wondering since you've started social media um, and, and where we are today, uh, I'm wondering if you can share some, you know, some of your learnings, um, maybe some of the pitfalls and maybe where you see this is, is going and, and maybe, a, you know, kind of how you see things shaping up going forward. So in the realm of social media, I got here by accident. I, <laughs> I had always said, I don't need Facebook. I don't need any of that because I talk to enough people. And let's face it, I'm chatty. So it mm -hmm. started because my, you know, I had siblings on Facebook. Well, this was a way to keep up with you know, an ever burgeoning community of nieces, nephews, extended family, et cetera. Well, then I had a customer who sent me a link one day to Twitter and said, this is fun. You should look. 
And I did. And I realized I can be chatty with a bunch of people. <laughs> and then I got the, the mm-hmm. nudge to, well, if you're taking pictures, why don't you put them on Instagram? Okay, I'll do that. Um, I, I just, I do it because I enjoy it. As much as I like to read a book, I also like to see what other people are saying and, and thinking and I can learn from them. It's not all about education, though. I get to throw out things that I know and maybe try to help someone else. Someone else. My natural inclination is to try to teach. So that's how one more thing landed in my schedule is during the spring and summer months on Sundays, <laughs> I do a garden video on my garden <laughs> and what's going on in my yard and maybe a little bit of what's going on in farming in my neighborhood. Because I learned that there were things that I was doing that I could teach to others. So the, the only pitfall I have ever come across is that other people may or may not try to share, put what you're doing in a negative light. So I resolved a long time ago that I was just going to be positive. I wasn't going to get into fights. Now, if I need to stand up for myself, <laughs> don't worry, I will. I mean, you and I have talked enough, uh, you know, off of a recording that you you understand if mm-hmm. I'm mad, I'll, I'll share. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. I look at it as this is my opportunity to be positive for other people, maybe teach them something, and better yet, I'm going to learn something along the way and have met wonderful people. You you put a little bit of trust into this too, right? Because it could be freaky when someone calls you up and says, "Hey, I'm going to be in your neighborhood. Do you want to do you want to meet for a cup of coffee?" Uh, okay, most most people, especially you know, 20 years ago, we'd been like, "Oh, so there's a serial killer coming." Okay, great, and. <laughs> but he's on twitter but i met him on twitter so i'm sure this is gonna be fine (laughs) which (laughs) you know i think you have to do what you're comfortable with my natural inclination is to be positive and friendly try to teach try to learn and really love to talk about anything related to farming and family so just do what you know if you try to be fake and build a persona of yourself that's not true people will know um my pictures don't have great hair days sometimes it's you know i'm out in the wind (laughs) um (laughs) there's there's days that i get done and i went huh so there's that big giant stain of gravy on my shirt and i just recorded that oh well so just be yourself and do the things that you enjoy and there's nothing wrong with that um i will be very lucky in telling you that i have had few negative encounters Uh, and i've also learned that if there's something that is on Twitter or any of the, the platforms that I don't want to read, I can scroll right on by. I don't have to pick a fight. I don't have to be a jerk about it. I'll just scroll right by. And it's okay to be an adult and do that. Mm-hmm. The You don't have to respond to everything you read. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah. <laughs> if I did that in a bar, having a conversation, people would be like, why doesn't she shut up? So... Maybe I shouldn't do that on every social media platform. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, weigh in on every, uh, every comment for sure. Um, so, you know, you just mentioned, you just talked about being authentic um, and, and just being yourself. And, uh, you know, that certainly from what I've seen of you, that certainly shines through, um, you know, for, <laughs> I was just going to say for someone just starting out on social media, I'm not sure if there is anyone that's just <laughs> starting out on social media anymore, but you know, um, what would you say, you know, that there are people that are now probably considering mm-hmm. quitting? Um, you know, I've had many people just in the, in the recent past with everything that's gone on and I don't want to get into specifics, but you know, that have talked about quitting Twitter and, and, and jumping off the platforms. Um, what would you, what would you say to someone that, uh, you know, it's just kind of lost you know, if, faith if in it. If something doesn't make you happy, don't do it, right? If if there's, if there's something in mm-hmm. my life that I'm doing on a daily basis that I really don't want to do, then I'm not going to do it. So I shouldn't force myself into some sort of social media diet. I also think that I am probably crazy because I, I, <laughs> I use all these <laughs> platforms and I do different things on each one of them, but that's my choice. And, 
if you choose that you only want to be on one, if your favorite one is Instagram, then let it be your favorite. Don't do all the other ones. Personally, I like Twitter because I get to be um, snarky and fun. And <laughs> I think of Instagram as like my daily diary. Uh, Facebook is, that's where all the family is. So, you know, get yourself together over there. And I use Snapchat a lot for work. <laughs> if people want to send me pictures of fields or bugs or weeds and want, you know, questions to ask and I'll get pictures from them. So I'll use Snap for that. But I do remind people, if you want to use Snapchat for good, you want, you're an agronomist and you want to look at pictures, you want to send somebody a picture of a field. Do not do that holding your phone out the window at 60 miles an hour and the caption only says, what do you think's wrong with this field? Because I have no damn idea. I can't tell what that is. And <laughs> if you're going to send me the picture of a weed and you want me to help identify it, okay. Can I know where it is? Is it in a field? Is it not? What part of the state? Uh, it, just simple questions instead of, well, I just got this text from somebody else. Well, get me some answers. I'm, my crystal ball is not that good. <laughs> I would I would say, uh, you know, as a fellow agronomist, those are the uh, the texts or the uh, emails or the just the, yeah, the pictures that I sometimes get sent. And it literally <laughs> just says, what is this? <laughs> and I feel like, I feel like responding. <laughs> who are you? Who did? <laughs> New phone. And I have been um, that terrible person who has actually responded with, I don't know, is that your mom? I have no idea what you're sending me. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, context matters and, and details matter as well. And um, I'll be honest, I struggle with being a long distance agronomist as long as, you know, as much as, much as I... Um, I love helping people and I, I, I just live mm -hmm. for diagnosing things. Um, I mean, I think that that's why many of us got into the field that we're in, but um, I also, yeah, I need, I need as much information as I can, or I'm going to be, you know, I don't know, a bit like a medical doctor and say, I, I don't know. It could be a hangnail or it could be, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, I need more information or I need to see you in person, right? Or yeah. I need to see the field in person, but no, for sure. I, I thought of using I snap think, in that regard. So one thing there you go. May annoy customers or peers when they call me is they want to ask me one question, but I will start out think, wait a minute. And I will ask probably four or five because you're right. Context <laughs> matters. Otherwise, I mean, I could just be making this up, but if you want me to try to help, how about I get a little background? <laughs> I have been told that one of the, um, uh, how do I say it? One of the interesting <laughs> things about me, I guess I don't want to say one of the quirks about me is that I will always answer <laughs> a question with a question. And I think it was many, many years of corporate head shrinking that, uh, that drilled that into me is, is just to dig deeper. And, uh, you know, it's not meant to be disrespectful, but it's meant to exactly, as you said, seek, uh, seek more context and, and to frame you know, where is this question coming from? You know, how will my answer fit into what this person's looking for? I think for both all you those and things. I, so that's a true sign yeah. of we really do want to help. If I wasn't asking you questions and I'm just giving you an mm -hmm. off the cuff answer, I just might not care. That's certainly, uh, <laughs> yeah. If if I ever do answer that way, I think uh, I think that would be a fair so assessment. How, yes. This would explain why our conversations <laughs> are many, many questions back and forth. Apparently, we just can't get enough context. <laughs> this is this is true yes there have been lots of questions back and forth no for sure um so you know the other thing that i i um that you and i talked about the other day that i i found quite interesting and, and i have to admit it it tugged on my heartstrings a little bit um so you know i guess i'll follow your lead into how comfortable you are with this um, but I did watch you at a, um, and I have to remember how, how, um, the, the, the way this is described, I guess, the in your context, control for, board. For, yeah, yep. the vector, which, which, which I was like, what, what the heck's a, a vector control board? You're trying to control bugs, right? <laughs> Not vectors, but Hey, um, I'm learning as I go here. So yeah, I saw you give a really impassionate, um, 
you know, addressed to the, to the crowd there. And, uh, you know, it really, that really hit home for me. And, and, and in the context of, oh, I don't want to necessarily call it the rural urban divide, but certainly as agricultural educators and, oh, I'm going to use another controversial word here as <laughs> advocates, whatever that means, um, you know, it, I, I was quite moved by, by your passion for the, for the subject. So do you want to maybe just tell our listeners a little bit, uh, some of the context around that? I'm going to take you back in time to 2012 and in North Dakota, probably as well into Manitoba. It was a fairly dry summer and fall. It wasn't a drought situation, but we were drier. And many people do not realize that in drier years like that, our mosquito population in this general neighborhood tends to carry a lot more of the mosquito it's a, a Culexis var- uh, variety, I almost want to call it, right? This is a specific mosquito that carries the West Nile virus. And it's much more prevalent in, in dry situations than it mm-hmm. is in wet. So <clears throat> in the fall of 2012, um, during wheat harvest, uh, my dad got bit by a mosquito. And he was uh, 58 years old. And dad was also a diabetic. So we knew he had an underlying mm. condition. And there were a number of folks across the state that were afflicted with West Nile as a family and most of the general public just firmly believes West Nile it's a virus it's like the flu you'll be fine you'll be tired things will be okay but what we learned is that's not the case in fact uh, after six months in ICU my dad died from the West Nile virus and he was one of many patients there were about nine patients in ICU during that time frame late summer into the next spring. And the reason I was at that meeting is I have done a number of things we have as a family, actually, we have talked with and worked with the North Dakota Department of Health, um, helping raise the public awareness of the West Nile virus. And each year, I'm very fortunate to be invited by uh, North Dakota State University, when they conduct applicator training for those who do Uh, public vector control so spraying for mosquitoes across municipalities and I bring the human side of you know why they do that why it's so important that those trap counts are accurate and we know as a public about the West Nile virus additionally in the fall of uh, 2020 last year it just so happened that there was a butterfly migration going through here at the same time that there was a spike in the mosquito count. And there was a, yeah, and had this happened 48 hours either way that the butterflies would have come through, there would not have been a concern, but it just happened to overlap. And when that happened, a lot of mosquito, excuse me, a lot of mosquitoes died, but so did some butterflies. And there was a concern from the public, which I think we see in a lot of places. Should we be spraying for mosquitoes? What is that doing to our pollinators and other beneficials in in the environment? And I realized that many people don't come to those meetings because they, they don't care either way. Hey, I don't want mosquitoes. I want things to be sprayed. The pollinators will be fine. But there's a handful of impassioned residents in the uh, county's area where I live. And they really wanted to bring to the forefront, why are we doing it? Is it important? Should we make a change? And I wanted to make sure that as a taxpayer, as well as a family member who lost someone to West Nile, that we all understand what it can and can't do. And it's not just West Nile. It, you know, the Zika virus in the Southern states has raised its ugly little head from time to time. There's a number of other things going on. And in this time in our history, where a virus is at mm-hmm. such a high awareness, I think that overall people need to understand what a virus can do. We've seen some of that. And I think it's fortunate. You could say they recover from West Nile, But West Nile, like any other virus, leaves very lingering effects. And so even those who've had it, and you and I Mm -hmm. have talked, you have have friends who've gone through this as well, and they've been very ill. Migraines remain. They're very lethargic. Uh, Things change in their lives. And we were certainly Mm -hmm. the extreme case that we lost dad. So to me, it's something about public education. I don't do this because it has any impact on my on my day job. This is something that I feel very strongly for that we need public awareness and that folks need to understand what it really can do. 
what the virus really can do. You know, it's really interesting until just now, <laughs> I was today years old when, um, that, uh, you know, I drew the, uh, drew the parallel between the current uh, pandemic and, and West Nile. And, you know, certainly uh, we can wax poetically quite a while as to, you know, whether or not we feel the current um, preventative measures or lockdowns are, are worthy or not. Um, but when we when we look at it in the context of other viruses such as West Nile, and how much we're pushing back against preventative measures <laughs> that really do not curtail our freedoms, um, you know, you you really just made me think about how how bizarre I guess sometimes our our reaction to our perception of uh, uh, real or perceived dangers is. Um, and, and how, how something that we can't see or possibly can't properly perceive uh, impacts on uh, how we, you know, how, how we react to mm -hmm. control measures. And, and yeah, um, definitely something to, to think about. So I'm, I'm glad yeah, you drew that parallel for sure. Understand and, and feel that way as well. Um, and you're you're right. Uh, we can we can say that the majority of people, West Nile is not a problem. And maybe it only affects someone who's older. You know, dad was only 58. And I'm soon to be approaching 58. I mean, I'm, I'm inching mm. closer to 50 all the time. So that feels young. <laughs> yeah, I'm 47, but it's getting there. Someday I'm going to get there. And but I also, you know, with, with the work mm. that our family has done with North Dakota Department of Health, we have met other families who have lost members to West Nile. And one of those is the family of a woman from Devil's Lake, North Dakota. She was 23. And from the time that she was infected until she passed away, wow. it was only two weeks. That's, yeah. And they did Whoa. not officially know I, uh, what had <laughs> happened to her until her autopsy. So there's more going on there. Oh my goodness. Than we really think about. Mm-hmm. No, and, and, and certainly, I mean, you know, and then it comes down to, you know, we, we talk about taking preventative measures and, uh, you know, one of the, one of the things that I really appreciate on a, on a warm summer weekend is, is just being able to hang mm -hmm. out, hang out outside at the farm. And, uh, you know, just the other night we had a, a bit of a solar storm and, and the Borea Orealis and, and, you know, I remember sitting on the front steps with my dad watching that and we would always sit there and try to tough it out. Um, until we were, yeah. you know, covered in mosquito bites and, and really didn't give it a second thought. And, and there was certainly, um, my dad took me over to our neighbor one time as we were combining and uh, he was standing there filling the grain bins. And it was one of those nights where, you know, it, it made you, made you think about the pioneers of old that uh, pictures of black clouds around their heads. So it was, they were just horrific that night for, for whatever reason. And uh, our, you know, 80 some year old neighbor just stood there and took it. And my dad said, see, you just, you just gotta, you just gotta learn to uh, not, you know, not react and, and, and um, <laughs> let the hundreds of mosquitoes bite you. And then eventually you develop tolerance. And now of course we, you know, we think quite differently of that and, uh, you know, avoid being outside, wear long sleeves. Um, you know, I even, yeah. I bought uh, one of those hats with the nets. Um, all those things. And, you know, so we're, I guess I was going to say, I think we're a bit <laughs> smarter. I'm not sure that's true, but, but we're certainly more fearful of and, and more knowledgeable of what could happen. And, um, you know, I, I certainly notice a difference between, um, you know, being in the city and literally being able to put on my back deck and not have to worry about mosquitoes. And then, you know, traveling an hour West to the farm and right. just being swarmed. So uh, vector control, it, as you it, it call does. it, and certainly I works. I 35 miles from Fargo, so I'm considered rural, even though I'm in a, a little town. There's about 350 mm. of us here. And you're right. Uh, the nights that I hear the vector control vehicles coming into town to spray, you know, a lot of times they're fogging into the trees and that kind of thing. I'm all for it because just like you, I want to enjoy my home and we supplementally spray our yard to keep mosquitoes down. Uh, you know, we, our yard backs up to a creek, so we have a tendency to have a pretty high population of mosquitoes here. 
So I'm all for those control measures. I understand what science does and I try to follow it whenever I can. And no doubt sometimes emotion rules as we've all seen in the last year, but this is one thing that I, I understand. I get, I know what the point of it is. And I'm definitely going to make sure that if I can help someone else understand it, they may not agree with my opinion, but I can help them understand it. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So do you find yourself, you know, in terms of ag education, and I, as I said, mm-hmm. you know, this goes back to the whole social media thing. Um, I've certainly uh, find you engaging um, with, with the content that you present. But in terms of educating, um, and, and I guess I use that term deliberately <laughs> as opposed to advocating. Once again, that's a loaded term, apparently. Um, so, um, you know, do you find those outside of agricultural re- receptive to, to some of that? Or, you know, where do you think we can, uh, I was going to use the word improve, Maybe change our approach. Maybe that's a better way to put it. It goes back to being genuine. If I have someone approach me Mm. and want to ask questions, then I need to do that with an openness. I I need to look them in the eye. I want to smile. I want to have an open body language. If I come off as defensive right away, that's just a fight waiting to happen. And, And here's my example. Um, I was at a trade show, a farm trade show here probably three years ago. And in my booth, um, you know, full disclosure, I work for a large uh, crop protection company. And I had a jump up and start asking very targeted questions about GMOs. And I knew that he really mm-hmm. wanted to be more confrontational. Like you could read his body language. And so started out with back to how you and I talk. I'd like to, why do you think that? What have you heard? And then that allowing them to voice their opinion gives you a chance to help make slight corrections. And it doesn't have to be this long soliloquy. I can just simply try to make small corrections and help. I think that makes a difference. Again, being positive. This is probably going to get me in a pile of hot water with some people, but it is, (laughs) it's an advantage being a five foot two woman because I am a lot less confrontational. Now, if you make me mad, that's a different story, but (laughs) you're six foot two. So in, you know, realistically, there you go. Even when I go to a farm to try to solve a problem, I can probably do it in a different manner than most of my male counterparts. There's something about it. Um, you, you just are a little more disarming. You're a little less confrontational and, and you don't have, and you don't try to be confrontational, but ask folks what they think, why they have that opinion. And I can tell you that the gentleman who came to my trade show booth and wanted to be fairly direct and a little bit aggressive when he left, he shook my hand and said, thank you. I understand now. So, you know, did he completely understand how wow. animals work? No, no, he, that wasn't the point. He, he just felt better about what he thought and what he didn't know. So we can't come off as being high-handed experts. Mm. Uh, ask people why. Why do you think that way? Why, what have you heard? And I've sat next to people on an airplane, explained to them what I do, and they've told me, well, you know, I'm, I'm all about organic. Okay, that's great. Tell me what you like about that. And then can I talk to you about what happens on a large scale farm and why it may happen differently? These are not short conversations. <laughs> we can never we cannot solve a world's problem in two minutes. <laughs> no, but I would have to I would have to concur with you that uh, you know certainly some of the best conversations I have had about about many of life's right. topics have actually happened on airplanes where either either I or the other person was, was somewhat held captive by just by virtue of, of having to remain in their seat. So, um, you know, and, and sort of uh, putting on a headset, uh, it's hard to it's hard to escape the conversation. But I, I've always so far anyway, uh, appreciated sticking it through and I've always learned something. So. No, that's, that's great. 
Well, Bridget, you you also touched on something just now that uh, I was going to ask you, um, and and you and I certainly agree on you know um, different uh, people uh, bring different things to the table, and uh, you know it's great to have a, a, a vast array of individuals working, uh, you know, in a, in a in an industry or uh, in a company or in a in an environment, oh, and. Yes. Today being International Women's Day, um, <laughs> yeah, oh yes, I was, uh, you know, I was going to ask you, um, you know, with, I don't know how to put this, but, um, you know, because I, I guess, part of me, um, there's, you know, certainly. I don't know. I've, I've always considered everybody as, as an equal, I guess I'll, I'll say that. Um, and, and I certainly don't want to, don't want to make this question as <laughs> well, you know, since you're different, um, you know, what's your experience? Cause that's, that's not, uh, that's not at all where I'm, where I'm going. And then now I feel really awkward, but um, you know, I just kind of, I, I have certainly seen and felt um more um, well, I don't know if it's more women entering agriculture. I think from the time I was in university, our, our class was, I would say, you know, half and half pretty much, um, and uh, have enjoyed, you know, the industry kind of growing with that that gender balance. I guess I would say, but uh, you know, the perception still is that it's, uh, and I've heard it again today. You know, I'm succeeding in a male-dominated industry, and, and certainly, um, you know, I, I would have no no personal experience in that regard, and just kind of wondered if you wanted to kind of comment a bit on whatever <laughs> um, I was just trying to I explain. Think I know where you're going, <laughs> and I think of it as I I think, and I could be wrong. I'll I'll look for feedback. I think I'm succeeding in an industry no matter male dominated, whatever the case might be. Um, I have, I have long been kind of the odd man out. Um, I was very active in the national FFA organization in my local chapter growing up. And that was a time where girls were becoming more active. Um, now it's about 50, mm. 50 split, but then there probably weren't as many girls in, and especially in certain contests, right? Like uh, farm business management or crop or crops judging. And that, that has changed, mm -hmm. but it has never bothered me to be, you know, like the only one in line for the ladies room, which is actually a real help at some national sales meeting. So uh, I started out, I was the only female in my district and I work with and still do with just a fantastic group of guys. There are more and more women in our industry. And the bottom line to me is, I don't care what your gender is. Just do a good job. Because if you don't do a good job, you make the rest of us look bad. So mm -hmm. do a good job. I, I think so far after mm. nearing 25 years in this industry, I think I'm doing all right. And I can tell you that I've only had two incidents for negative, um, where, you know, someone was inappropriate, et cetera. Otherwise, people are really good. Now, I also have slightly thicker skin most. I mm. tend to have the same humor as a seventh grade boy. Well, now I'm singling out seventh grade boys. So it's my fault. But, I, <laughs> you know, just it's okay to enjoy yourself at work. It doesn't have to be stuffy. Maybe I'm one of those isolated cases. I know I have heard lots of horror stories from other women, and I'm sorry that's happened. But I can be lucky and say it hasn't necessarily happened to me. I also might have a slightly different misdemeanor than others. Mis Did I say misdemeanor? Whoopsie. I meant demeanor. <laughs> oh, I have a slightly different demeanor. <laughs> you're, you're Was that a Freudian slip? Do we? <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> That uh, that was very appropriate, actually. That oh, that perfect. fit uh, fitted that conversation well. Um, so, you know, one of the one of the things that uh, that I um, encounter, um, you know, weekly, monthly, daily, sometimes, you know, there's there's a lot of um, there's there's a lot of opportunity in, in in the industry, and certainly, 
um, you know, with uh, the farm population dwindling down to somewhere around the, you know, below the 5% mark, um, you know, a lot of the um, new entrants into the industry, new employees, you know, tend to be from, a, you know, from, a, from an urban background. Um, and as I said, the, the, you know, the trend seems to be um, more and more women are getting into um, kind of our, uh, I guess, our end of the industry um, in terms of, you know, the agronomy side of things and uh, being in the field and being active. Um, and, and I think that's, a, that's an amazing thing. Um, if you, uh, I guess if you had to give, um, you know, 20, 20 some year old Bridget's Bridget, some advice in terms of, um, you know, how to, mm -hmm. how to succeed well, in this industry. Uh, believe it or not, um, I, every year I get up in front of a ag sales class at North Dakota state and we talk about this very thing. And irregardless if it's um, myself or somebody else, if I have advice for young people starting out in any industry, particularly in ag, do what you say you're going to do and do it better than everybody else. If you can do those two things, you will be successful. When I make a commitment to a customer, it's the same as making a commitment to one of my kids, to my neighbor, to you know whomever. I need to follow through with that because if I don't, people aren't going to have a lot of trust in me. My communication is going to be poor. And when communication and trust break down, what do you really have left in a relationship? And I don't care what anybody says. All of the industries that we are mm -hmm. in are people industry. It doesn't matter. You have to work with people. And also, the best sell job you are ever going to do is finding a spouse. So say what you're going to do. <laughs> follow through and then do it better than anybody else. <laughs> and that's just what I've done. And I think that's what successful folks in an industry do. And it's not rocket science. If I have to remind new hires that they've got to return phone calls within 24 hours, that's, that's a learned behavior they have from long ago. And I'm not sure it will ever be corrected. But those who come with the attitude that I will return those calls, I will return those messages, and I will help my customer. I will be a, a solution presenter to them. They can make the difference. It's not it's complicated. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, you know, that's really good advice. Because um, I think that's what, uh, you know, as we, as we go into the next decade or even beyond of, of, of this industry that we're both in, um, you know, the big question is, you know, what is, what is the role of the trusted advisor in this mm -hmm. and, uh, and what does that look like? And, you know, we, we talked earlier about how we're careful about giving mm -hmm. advice uh, from a distance and uh, you know, whether or not that that is good or not. Um, and I think, you know, it all comes back to who do you mm -hmm. trust? And, and relationships. Um, and those are skills, uh, you know, call them soft skills, if you will. But those are skills that are, are kind of hard to teach. Yeah. And sometimes need to be experienced or, or the school of hard knocks. But we also have to turn so it around important. on ourselves. If um, we want to be good salespeople, you know, yeah. number one, watch someone who you trust as your salesman. I go to the same greenhouse every year to buy my bedding plants. Because mm -hmm. this little old gal, first of all, she's a ton of fun. I mean, <laughs> she swears like a sailor and smokes like a train. Who doesn't want to see that in action? Okay. But second of all, she <laughs> knows her stuff. She knows I'm coming to buy from her because I trust her. She has a good product. It's no different than what, one, what my customer wants from me. Trust and a good product, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe, you know, if you um, swore a little more, maybe that would help tell me that he always thought it was great fun to attend my meetings <laughs> because he said, I might start to not pay attention in the back. And then all of a sudden I'm like, why is that little lady up there yelling and, and swearing? What's going on? And then he pays attention again. <laughs> it it does tend to bring the audience that. back around for sure. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, Bridget, I, uh, I am going to wrap things up. I, I really do appreciate uh, you taking the time to, uh, to do this today. Um, and uh, I've certainly learned a lot. Um, if, if nothing else, that uh, <laughs> my Friday, Saturday and Sundays now, you know, are going to be filled with, uh, you know, farm, farm fact Fridays, uh, story time, Saturday morning, and before coffee, that's probably all I'm ready for. Um, and then, uh, you know, some gardening Sundays. I think, I like uh, think that my weekends will never line, be the same. You will laugh a little, learn a little something, and maybe even have a question that you want to send me that I can help with. I, I, I will do that because in terms of gardening, um, you know, and this is the interesting thing about an agronomist. <laughs> I, uh, I have probably made more mistakes and, uh, you know, tried to uh, make yeah, shortcuts yeah. I've, that I've may work aloe, in the field don't seem to work in the garden. I so. really want to explain yeah. to everybody how I'm not the agronomist I could be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have seen pictures of said aloe plant. Yes. Um, maybe to, um, maybe to wrap this up, um, if you can think of it, give me the, if you can remember it, the best Hallmark greeting card that oh, you have I encountered, uh, in your Hallmark days section of Hallmark, because that was where all of the slightly snarky and a little bit dirty ones were. <laughs> and we would stand back there when we were supposed to be filling cards and we were also busy laughing and reading them to each other. It was like a comedy routine. So if you're going to go buy a fun card, buy the shoebox brand at Hallmark. All right. So is this, you were, you were saying earlier about a book that you gifted to your brother <laughs> um, that was pre-read. Um, are all the Hallmark yeah, cards pre-read? Is there discount on that? that there's a that lot work? of pre-reading that probably happened. I mean, we certainly want to preview them for quality control. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. I see how that works. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there, Bridget. Thank you so much. Thanks again. Really appreciate this, and um, hope you tune in next time. And uh, Bridget, I hope you. Um, what I always tell guests is, you're always welcome to come back. And um, you know, I I love repeat guests, and uh, we hope to to, uh, to hear from you again here on the Midlife chat. Thesis podcast. Basically, and if folks have heard something that they'd like to opinion on, ask me a question. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at BM Riedel, on Facebook and Instagram and Snap. I just use my name, Bridget Riedel, because I'm not that creative. And so you're welcome, you to, welcome to use any of those platforms if you want to reach out. Great, and you're—I can attest to the fact that you're, uh, you're, uh, you're fun to follow, and you're always entertaining. And uh, you know, you did mention uh, the the power of positivity earlier. Uh, certainly, um, <laughs> never a bad day when people follow you. So, <laughs> always good. All right. Well, thanks again. Um, we'll end thanks. here, and uh, yeah, thank you.